We're recording. <laughs> All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Eclectic Migo. It's not Amigo. It's the Eclectic Ego. <laughs> I know. I named it. <laughs> um, and today we have a special guest. Oh, my gosh. Your dad just used this as an excuse to cuddle. <laughs> and I'm special. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, it's not really a special guest. It's just my dad. Oh. Um, I'm just Am kidding. I the special guest? Yes, you're the special <laughs> guest. Uh, um, and today we're just going to be chatting about D&D because we want to put in low effort stuff right now because there's a lot of stuff going on in our lives. Mom's sick. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm moving in a month. Back to the U.S., so. Um, to the United States of America. The best country in the world. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Dad's joining us because uh, he's run, he has played, You did you play D&D growing up? No, not much. You just knew about it? Yeah, I knew about D and D, but I didn't play it very much. Mm. Wait, was it like with mom, where uh, grandma thought it was the devil's work, like everybody else in the eighties? <laughs> it was the devil's work. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was we moved around way too much for me to get into sort of a group. In other words, your dad had no friends. <laughs> uh, sorry. I still have no friends. But this is true. I mean, I feel like I, I know I know your home life wasn't like you know spectacular or anything. But I feel like somebody with ten siblings that would be like the prime opportunity to have like a bunch of D and D. But yeah, if you like your siblings, maybe. <laughs> They don't like each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, makes sense. Um, today I wanted to talk specifically about what you guys think and what I think makes a good D&D story. And it doesn't necessarily mean for a podcast situation. We don't have a D&D podcast. I, I would love to run a D&D podcast if I had a full-time job podcasting. Because then I could actually put in the effort into it and then, you know, spend money on editors and sounds and all that other stuff. But um, but maybe just from, like, comparing, you know, stuff like Matt Mercer's uh, Critical Role and Dimension 22, what does it mean to have a good story for a home game? Because home games, people, I think, put a lot of pressure on themselves to you know, be those people, be Brennan or Mercer. And I think that, I think that, I think that's putting a little bit too much on yourself. You're just, you know, you're just playing a home game. Yeah. Who needs a story in a home game? Who needs a story? Well, I put a lot of pressure going on myself. to be Matt Mercer. Yeah. I don't know. I could be Matt Mercer. <laughs> <laughs> He's way prettier than you are. <laughs> oh, whatever. I'm the pretty one. 
Anyway, um, yeah, uh, I when I discovered Critical Role, uh, I suffered from the Matt Mercer effect for like two games of my home game, and then realized that I didn't actually even want my DM to be Matt Mercer because <laughs> then I couldn't get away with crap. So um, yeah, it's not so much you want to to be as cool or extravagant or whatever as them, Mm -hmm. but you want a good story and you want something to play off of. And (sighs) that's all I had to say about that. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to make a really good story for the game I've been running for mom and my friends. Um, and a lot of that comes from not from watching Dimension 20 or even anything like that. I haven't actually listened to a lot of podcasts. I am, I mean, the only one that I listened to fully almost was The Adventure Zone. And I quit on listening to them. Um, and even then, there's... Theirs is criticized to be more like a radio show than a um, actual D and D podcast. So, so I put a lot of pressure on myself, mostly because I want it to be good for you guys, and I know I haven't done that in every case. But when I talk to Chris or, or some of my other players, um, they say it's fine. It doesn't matter as long as we're all having fun. It doesn't make a difference. And like that's where I've kind of landed on as for me, what makes a good home game is doing stuff that you think would be fun for your players. And as long as you got you have a good group of people who are having fun at the same time, it matters less about having like a really good cohesive story, but more so that you're creating a really fun story together, I think is what I've landed on for all of that. Well, I don't know if I agree with that because the whole reason why you would want a DM, I think is in order to tell a story, it would be your story that you're telling, but you have to tell it in a way that you include other individuals in this story and, don't ramrod them through whatever it is you're trying to uh, portray as far as this is what you're going to be doing. Mm. I don't necessarily disagree with that either because like there is a story I'm trying to tell and like I have a big, really big overarching story that I am trying to tell, but a lot of that has come from the players. A lot of that has come from the ideas of the players um, it's not entirely my story. But then again, my mom's not helpful and she tries to sabotage every single story that she's in, so. Yeah, well, let me tell that. So, every time I'm in a campaign, my character is not liked, even by the party members, and uh, how to kill my characters is usually discussed in uh, lots and lots and lots of detail. Um, so... But that's because I'm a contrary person. So when I feel like I'm being guided somewhere, I want to go the other way. And I don't like being forced into a situation. I'd like to make the choice myself 
and whether or not. And uh, the DM that did that best was um, Gardner. He was really good at that. I knew he was trying to force me somewhere. And when he would do that, oh, I would, I was very obstinate. But at the same time, he, he caught on to what I was doing and quit trying to force. And that made me make better decisions. And I would go in the direction he wanted, despite, you know, everything that was going on. So. I think that's what I'm trying to get better at, too, is not forcing, but rather, here are your options. What do you want to do? And I think that that's made your gameplay a little bit better. I mean, you're still a little ridiculous, like, I'm a vegan. Where's my vegan food? Like, the whole time. But I still think, like, you're not but, actively working against the group because no, of your but, character. But come on, I I summoned my mount and I went to the 7-Eleven. That's what I wanted to do. That's what my character wanted to do. It, it may be ridiculous and no point to it, but, you know, sometimes that's where the fun can be, uh, just stopping along the way to do something lame. So I don't know, but that's my gameplay and I don't DM, so I'm... I honestly like a DM that, and I'm not saying Matt's perfect at this either, Matt Mercer, but that has multiple ways that things can go and that they'll let it go if he if they don't get what they want kind of thing. Because <laughs> I've seen Matt's face drop a billion times <laughs> when his players just go off the rails and he never gets to use that map. <laughs> He never gets to do that fun thing he had planned. Mm -hmm. And he's good at letting go of those things. Um, and I guess that would be my suggestion to my DMs who are both here right now and who hate me. It's not a matter of hating you. And yes, there have been numerous times in playing D&D, &D, uh, DMing the group that we that we're in where what I thought was going to happen did not happen. And I've had to completely rewrite things because of decisions made, which I'm fine with. And when I go into a session to DM that session, I go into it with a general overview of what I think is going to happen. But I put so much time into it because I want to make sure that there's no set path to get where you're going to go. And there's usually five or six different ways that you guys can take something. And I try to plan for the inevitable and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And that's fine. Well, at least I don't kill the people I don't like anymore. <laughs> no, they all want to kill you. <laughs> well, yeah, but I don't just automatically kill people like I did in the beginning when somebody annoyed me. So, um, so what do you think, what do you guys think is the balance between, um, so for regarding storytelling, um, who, who do you think is the most important? And I'm not talking about world building because obviously I think world building is going to land on DM. Um, but regarding storytelling, who is for you guys the most important person or people 
So either DM or players in creating the story. Who do you think who who do you think runs that to create the story? For me, it has to be the players. It can't be the DM. Otherwise, it's just me telling a story, which is boring. Um, I'm, I, I think it's uh, both. I think as long as the DM is communicating well with his with his said players, uh, that um, because each character is going to have a backstory, sort of. My characters very rarely do, but most characters do have a backstory and that can lead into how the story is going to be played. But they're all, but there is also the fact that there's a lot of these are, what are they? The packs that, what am I thinking of? Like um, the Tomb of Annihilation and stuff. Those things that you can play that half the story is already there. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, you're talking about the adventures. Yeah, the adventures, those types of things. Those, um, the to me, those are uh, the uh, adventures can be just as much fun as somebody coming up with their own stuff. If the players um, have imagination and, and um, don't get stuck on you know, superfluous things, I guess. So, um, I was, I, there's this podcast in dimension 20 that, um, Brennan does, um, where he talks to people about DMing and all that other stuff. And he was talking with Matt Mercer about one time when he did one of those pre-made adventures. Um, and I think this is my favorite story that he's told, but, um, it was the first time he ever DM'd and it was like a pre-made story and, you know, the goal was to do this one thing and um, the players noticed, uh, it was something with the goblins or whatever. It's like a basic, very basic DM story. Um, but they noticed that like the princess didn't want to get married or whatever. So they kidnapped the princess and left the city altogether, completely avoiding the story. Uh, and they had to make up everything to begin with. Um, obviously, that's not, you know, the most detailed version of the story. Just go listen to that podcast. But um, I think it's really interesting that players can both ruin an entire version of a pre-made story or make it better than what it already was. Um, and in Brennan's case, he refuses to do pre-made stories. Well, yeah, I, I don't blame him, especially when you have such a, his imagination, I, I should say, and, and that. But I've actually, uh, I've done a few of the pre-made stories. Um, one of them, we went so far afield from what it was supposed to be uh, like to the point of where the DM actually gave up the whole campaign because there was no way to bring it back in. <laughs> I had, I, my character had messed it up so much by going off topic. So uh, like off the rails. So I've done that before, but I didn't necessarily actually even mean to do it that time. It just happened. Um, so 
But I actually am kind of interested in some of the pre-made stories because I've been learning more and more about the lore, the older versions and stuff like that in Dungeons and Dragons. And I think some of that's really interesting. What does dad think about the pre-made stories? I think the pre-made stories are good. I enjoy the pre-made stories, but much like your mom, I worry about whether or not I could actually run or DM a pre-made story. I know she wants to run an acquisition incorporated uh, session or game, but I'm not sure I could actually do that. It'd be really hard for me to do that because it would be hard for me to follow somebody else's idea about where a story is going to. That said, I think the thing that made me want to DM in the first place was listening to really good storytellers that are able to tell a story, get to a point that they want to get to, but also deal with the random chaos that happens based upon what users, or not users, but uh, the players decide. We're in Tron. They're users. (laughs) Um, (laughs) When when I look at the pre-made stories, I think, like, for example, Ravnica um, was really interesting to me. I really like the idea of it. But I also think that um, a lot of it, it's a, it's a little too concentrated for my feel because I like big, I like big worlds and big ideas. So I'm just stealing the concepts of Ravnica and a bunch of the characters from Ravnica and I'm just putting it into my campaign because I think, I think the source books and um, even like the pre-made stories, you can like take those ideas or like the mini mysteries like Candlekeep Mysteries has a bunch of mini stuff in there you can just take some of those ideas and put them into your stuff um for me that's how I use them have you been using them anyway because I want to expand my world and make it more in depth but I also don't want to just use other well quote-unquote other people's stuff because it's for me, I I get to so like I get to storyteller about it. I like I like storytelling. That's what I like about it. Um, so I want to make it bigger, um, especially with the, my current campaign, which was way too big for what I was trying to do in the beginning. Um, but I forgot the second thing you mentioned, Dad, that I wanted to comment on it too. After you talked about that. I don't remember what that was. I don't even. I don't either. I'll be honest. I don't either. <laughs> and we're fantastic <laughs> podcasters so far. Um, <laughs> um, but but in relation in relation to what you're talking about, though, as far as borrowing things from pre-made stories or or even just the source books, I think as if you're going to truly DM, you can't be afraid to use stuff that's in different source books or different adventures in your own 
story or in your own world, even if it's not based in that world. And you also can't be afraid to make something more difficult or make something more easy because you want to use a some sort of a ghast, but you want to make it a strong enough ghast that it's a challenge for your players. You don't want to have them go up against a challenge rating 2 creature when they should be fighting challenge rating 8 stuff. Yeah, um, that's the other I thing want- is like, uh, what's it called? Um, like what what just regular people create? Um, like like there's the there's like liches, right? And there's a bunch of different kinds of liches from the source books. But people also make their own liches that are diffic- more difficult and more crazy, or less difficult and less crazy. And you can find all of those things online. I've stolen so many uh, monsters. Um, cool monsters that people in the community have made too. So that's other things you can just take and people want you to do that because it's cool. As a player, I want everything to be challenge rating too because then I can just hit it once. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This next super big fight in the campaign that you're going to come up against, um, you're just going to beat the main boss, no problem. One hit, done. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, last time, let's see, I went up, I, I think I've challenged two gods at this point in your dad's campaign. It's starting, and I think he had to come up with ways to not have, you know, to- total party kill, because I messed up, because I'm like, I'm going to kill it. Yes, the last person that she came up against, I had to basically stop her from doing anything because otherwise nobody else was going to be able to do anything. She was going to run in the room, kill everything in the room and then story over. Yay. That was fun. It was great though. I I was, I almost killed it, but then you brought in Millhouse mana storm. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Anyway. So good times were had. He was necessary. He was he, he he's part of the story long term. Oh, I understand, but he totally took my kill. <laughs> I was gonna kill that thing. So <laughs> I, was, I was determined. <laughs> stop talking about your campaign. Um, <laughs> um so what do you guys think makes a like just some general qualities or some things that you expect either out of your DM and mom's case or out of your players in dad's case. Uh, what? <laughs> so what do you, what do you expect? What are some things that like you want? Because you already mentioned this a little bit, just like letting go. If things go off the rails is like one thing that you said, um, that you you want in a dm you want a dm to be able to do um what are some things that you want out of players or dms right you can even mention you you can even talk about players yourself mom because other players and stuff um because i know you're you're off the rails all the time so uh well yeah um well in the campaign i'm playing with you for you um I I have to admit, I get a little annoyed from time to time with some of the players because I'm just like, I'm like, oh my gosh, why why are we doing this? This is shopping. 
um, we could move the story along and do a quick, you know, thing afterwards and say we went shopping. But, you know, they sometimes want to, you know, uh, play. I don't know. Uh, do the mundane uh, things. Do the mundane things. So I've learned to take a step back and, and play on my phone while that's going on. <laughs> so sometimes I don't even know what's going on because I quit paying attention. But um, but uh, also uh, there's guys in your dad's current campaign that are obsessed with reading books. <laughs> it's really boring. <laughs> Yeah, but you have to let them do what it is that they enjoy. And for him, he enjoys being an artificer. He wants to build cool new things. And he wants to do certain things that just take time. And I know that it's in-game time. And it would be nice if it wasn't so much in-game time. But that's what he enjoys. That's part of what he plays the game for. And it might be boring for everybody else. But you have to give a little bit of that to those players for me if i could have players that just were able to make decisions and say this is what we're going to do and move forward then as long as those players can do that i don't have to lead them along and they can move the story along themselves that's that's what i look for i don't know do i do that do i move the story along Sometimes you move the story along, but sometimes that moving it along is moving it someplace it's not supposed to go. Uh, yeah, good times. And for the most part, uh, the, your weird artificers, I do try to let them do their own thing. It's just, yeah. But um, mostly uh, if I do something um, that one of the other players doesn't like, specifically uh, Morgan, he... he um, he tells me. <laughs> he glares at me and he says, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Um, I guess as a player, what I want out of a DM is some freedom. <laughs> okay. I want lots of freedom, <laughs> but I'm learning to restrain myself. <laughs> um, I don't know. I do like to fight. Because I build my characters so they can fight and do stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I just, uh, uh, when it comes to story, uh, I may, I honestly, in both your campaigns, I'm not exactly sure what's going on <laughs> story-wise. I'm just going with the flow. <laughs> every na- But when I'm actually playing my character on the day... <laughs> Um, then I'm invested when I'm not playing my character on the day. I'm not as invested and don't remember as much as what's of what's going on. But when I'm in, in the gameplay, I, I get very invested and I want to either figure out the puzzle or move the story along, kill Mm -hmm. things, you know, do stuff. So being from a DM perspective from what I want is basically the same as dad It's people who move the story along or, um, or just do things like, uh, a couple of my players are still relatively new. Um, and they, um, they usually like to take passive roles. 
um, and they don't they don't absolutely love you know being the hero character and so when I have those characters or those players I I kind of force and so um, with my friend um, Kendra her character is a divine soul sorcerer um, and for a while she didn't do a lot of stuff she just sat there and did nothing um, but that was okay because she's still a new player and I didn't want to force her to do anything that she wasn't comfortable with. But after a while, I was like, I'm going to use her in the story and I'm going to basically force her into it. And how I did that um, basically started with her, her having her character fall in love with one of the other player characters. Um, and then I made her family important and I made her whole people because she's playing a drow. I made her whole people important to the story. So I'm, I basically intertwined her with the story and I've noticed that when she's, you know, not feeling gross or sick or whatever, um, that she is starting to open up more. And uh, I think for me, that's, I think that's a little bit more gratifying and I think that I feel better knowing that she's opening up more in my campaign. And then... Her, and she loves my character. She loves your character. So much. <laughs> she does not. Um, but yeah, oh, like, the the players that are good, like I like mom's character because she does move stuff and she does do weird things sometimes, which forces me to think outside the box a little bit more and which is something I'm working on um which isn't bad but I'll I can talk about it from a player perspective in a second if you had something to say oh no go ahead um and I'm also playing a pre-made campaign Curse of Strahd with my friends um and I think from a player perspective I think I've realized based off of this last session me and my partner are very annoying <laughs> to play with <laughs> because um, it's basically us just giggling and laughing the whole time and just doing weird stuff um, and like being over the top. Um, and there's only four of us and it was basically us talking the whole time last time and I felt really bad afterwards. Um, and our DM... Chris was just dealing with it the whole time, just being like, okay. <laughs> and I, I felt bad. Um, so from a player perspective, I think it's it's better if you have characters that if, if we have two characters that are going to be over the top and annoying, that you also have characters that will shut us down, which one of the characters will sometimes. But, um, but yeah, I think we're annoying to play with. <laughs> uh, that does not surprise me. Yeah, that's why I'm glad Morgan is playing in the group with your mom and in a party because he will kind of reel your mom back in when she does get off the rails too far. But then again, it makes it more interesting from a DM standpoint if you do have some unpredictability. So one example is I give uh, the party a dagger that I figure is going to become very important and needed in the end of the game boss fight. At one point during the adventure, the dagger decides to be given away. 
And that completely changes everything that I'm doing because of decisions that are made. And I think to me, that makes it more interesting from a DM standpoint, because now it's no longer the story I wanted to tell, but now it's in cooperative story between player and DM. I didn't want to lose my bow, so I gave away the dagger. <laughs> I know you didn't want to lose your bow, but I forced you into making a decision, and yeah, you didn't lose your bow. You did lose the one thing that you needed, but that's okay. Yeah. It worked out great for me. I have my bow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, um, it's really funny that, um, playing this current campaign, uh, cause, um, I am, uh, cause I am kind of out there and can go off the rails. Uh, Morgan's probably the only person that can bring it back. <laughs> it's okay. I'll join if, if I, when I move back, I'll join the campaign and I'll be just as weird and just as crazy and make it and make Morgan explode. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you respect Morgan too. <laughs> I like, I like Morgan. But, yeah. Um, do you guys have anything that you wanted to talk about regarding storytelling? Um, or did you want to talk about the difference between home storytelling and what makes a good podcast storytelling? Well, since I have a uh, 12-hour shifts, um, I listen to quite a lot of podcasts, um, different things, and um, I've chosen and I chose a f- several D and D podcasts because older ones um, from years ago so I can listen for hours kind of thing. Uh, And some of those I've chosen to listen to um, were to me just awful. And I don't know if it was so much I couldn't stand the characters or I didn't care where the story was going. You know, it was all different kinds of things. Um, But your dad listens to a lot more podcasts than even I do. Yeah, I think for me, the podcasts that I really enjoy, the storytelling that I really enjoy are the storytellers who tell a story with a real long perspective in mind. So they'll be doing things all along that are going to play into the end game of the story. And the players may not even understand or know or have any concept at all that what they're doing is actually helping or hindering what the end game is going to be. And that's the way I try to do it is maybe the players don't really understand what's going on, but it's all pushing towards the end game of the story. And that's what makes it interesting to me. When they get to that end game and the players are like, oh, wait a minute. That's why that happened. And that was 20 sessions ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess the more famous, you know, 
Dimension 20 uh, stuff that I've listened to. Some of it's good. Some of it I could, I didn't want to keep with the campaign. Uh, and to me, it's not necessarily even the DM because I think Brennan's great and has good stories. Sometimes it's just uh, the players uh, aren't playing the story to, I don't know, I guess the characters aren't as interesting to me. And even though the story could be absolutely fascinating down the, down the line, uh, if players, like, there was this one campaign I, I've gotten through, like, the first year and a half. And then they introduced an NPC that pissed off one of the players to the point of where I have not been able to get through this hurdle of him just being annoyed with this little NPC and is a goblin and nobody speaks goblin. So nobody knows what he's saying. So it doesn't really matter to the storyline, but they have to stop and talk about how annoyed this character has to stop and talk about how annoyed he is with this NPC, like way too much. And it's, it's like driving me insane in a podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when players go off the rails, <laughs> it can, it can ruin the story is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, like when I, when I was listening to Dimension 20, I think the things that I found most interesting was, how Brennan was able to handle players going off the rails. And granted, these players don't go off the rails that much, but when they did, he was he was either able to... He was most of the time able to incorporate it unless it was absolutely stupid. Um, and I think my favorite moment was when he forced a character to roll like quadruple disadvantage for trying to do something and it was impossible physics wise to happen um so he was like you have quadruple disadvantage for this because what you're asking to do is legitimately impossible and i think that that's like the i think that's like one of the valid times you can shut down a player is like quadruple (laughs) quadruple disadvantaging them in this like can you go beyond what is even physically possible in the world (laughs) but um for storytelling in um a podcast situation i think you do have to have a end goal in mind and i think you do have to um take into account like your players and how they play and create a really interesting in-depth story because I've listened to some podcast and and I'm just like this is just like listening to a home game and I'm not necessarily interested in listening to basic home game um which is like you know a little pretentious but like I I am listening I'm listening to be wowed I think for a podcast um for me I'm mostly um, looking for to not be annoyed by, uh, I guess I, I, I like, I, I think my favorite thing with podcasts is like 
I can hear where the DM wants the people to go. And then all of them are just sitting there not making any decisions. <laughs> and then they go shopping. And then you're just like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> really? He, like, laid it out there flat for you and you couldn't, like, take it, take the bait. It, yeah, that gets frustrating. Um, and I found a lot of... Um, there, there were quite a few of those that I just... I couldn't get past the first few episodes because of it. But there were also ones that I found interesting, like the Dungeons and Daddies or whatever that one was. Mm -hmm. Like, that one had potential, but it didn't go anywhere. I, like, completely and utterly lost interest. Like, I don't even know where I got to. I, I think... Uh, they had found uh, two of the sons or something. I don't know. But yeah, it was like it had all this potential, but it completely fell flat after a while. There, was, there wasn't any more storytelling going on. There was just people running into random circumstances. And it wasn't even interesting anymore. Their characters even began to, began to fall flat after a while on that one. I don't know. I'm still listening to that one and it makes me laugh. And I think that's why I look forward to listening to it every time is because it's more of a comedy than a strict D and D podcast. Matter of fact, the gameplay mechanics, they'll even mention that their gameplay mechanics aren't any good. So it's not a technical gameplay thing. It's more of a comedy thing with them. Whereas for me, I listened to 13 years of recordings from Critical uh, Hit, which they played one campaign for 13 years straight. And I really enjoyed that and listened to the entire thing. And that the, the DM's name is Rodrigo, and he's the one I'm talking about as far as long game because when you get to the end and you realize that all this stuff has been happening all along uh, that has played into this end game, to me that's just brilliance in game planning to, to see that far in advance that... The fact that this character rolled a warlock 13 years ago played into the end game to me was like just mind blowing. Mm. And it was mind blowing to the characters too. They had no idea. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I think, I think there's not a lot that we can. Um, necessarily criticize a lot because there's, there's a ton of Dungeons and Dragons or even Dungeons and Dragons like podcasts out there that you can listen to and if you like it you like it and if you don't you don't and yeah. I, I was I was gonna say there is one campaign and I haven't made either of you listen to it <laughs> mainly because I want to keep it to myself it's to me a hidden gem and it's really sad because uh, they're not able to keep it up. But there's some guys from New Zealand. I can't even remember the name of it right now off the top of my head. But their campaign um, started 
and their DM created the whole world. Um, and, but it was the storytelling of the players, uh, that was so interesting because one, one of the players really, really, really likes to, you know, uh, ham it up. You know, he's very, what is it when you're gregarious? Uh, no, it's, it's not even that it's that he's, he's very into his character, you know, like an actor is, you know, <laughs> like the actor charisma rating at 15 or higher. <laughs> no, it's just, is the way he plays it is just, it's annoying half the time to me, but at the same time, it's actually kind of funny because he gets so into that. He forgets how that he's supposed to be fighting and that he has stats he has to roll and all of that because he's he's just so into the character. And yeah, and I pop, pop, pop him and stuff. Um, and then the other guy is kind of an accountant and doesn't know how to play in a, play his character. So he's like, yeah, I kill him. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, you have to roll to shoot. You know, kind of thing. And as the as time got went on, they actually do learn how to play their characters. <laughs> but even the DM didn't know what he was doing. Um, I think he, they had double poisoned or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, it was like my favorite thing, my favorite campaign that I've ever listened to because the it didn't even matter who they were playing because they did a few one shots where they were playing other characters. I just really enjoyed their play. And I think it was the combination of both good DM and good players together. So the only reason they don't uh, put out more content is <laughs> they're uh, stationed once. <laughs> I think two are in, in New Zealand, one's in the Middle East and one is in Australia. So they, uh, um, they had a hard time, you know, getting together after certain circumstances happened. So, but I still look forward every now and then they put out content and I will jump on it as <laughs> soon as it comes out. Cause I really, really enjoyed the camaraderie there. And I think that's what you're looking for in a home game too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. If you have a bunch of people who don't know each other and bringing them into a game, it can be really difficult. Um, which is kind of what I've been having, what I had in the beginning of my campaign. Um, cause Willow, my sister joined initially and she, she was too socially anxious to role play. And I'm like, it's just my friends. You know, most of them, they're not like, they're not going to judge you or anything. But she still was pretty uncomfortable for a while and eventually left the campaign. Um, not because she was like, I hate this, but because she was too busy. Um, so it, yeah, I mean, if you don't have that camaraderie, if you don't have that group of people that's like, yeah, we're all having a great time, then it can feel kind of awkward. Well, you're, well, I joined the campaign because she left and you wanted another player. But I didn't necessarily want to join the campaign. <laughs> but you were lucky because I already knew uh, Hannah mm. and uh, your other players, though they don't have never actually met me in person, uh, have grown to tolerate my presence. I mean, um, I think Chris likes you, and I think a couple of uh, uh, 
my friends really like you. I know Maddie likes you because you're ridiculous and you like to have fun. And she likes to play ridiculous characters too. So, um, but yeah. Well, I I think having good people playing can make up for a lot of bad DMing, especially in the beginning. I listened to The Unexpectables, which is another D&D podcast. When that first started out, the DM had never DM'd anything before and really struggled, struggled with trying to figure out how to even DM a game. But to me, the characters were engaging enough that I continued to listen. Now I'm a couple years into their podcast, and she's grown a lot as far as a DM and being able to storytell and to, knows how to run a game now. She still makes a lot of rules mistakes, but every DM does. Even professional DMs like Matt Mercer make mistakes. So that doesn't bother me. Whereas when I look at it, like the one I showed you on Geek and Sundry or, or told you about on Geek and Sundry, you're talking about professional voice actors, uh, experienced DM, but I couldn't get past episode three because the story was just not very good in my opinion. Uh, or one I tried to listen to called Rusty Quill. That was another one that had experienced people playing, but there wasn't the chemistry between the players. So even though the DM was trying really hard to make it engaging and enjoyable for a podcast listening thing, the players were not helping the cause at all. I couldn't get very far in that one either. I think that's why I liked Dungeons and Daddies, especially at first, was like, I didn't care. I don't care about the rules. I, I could literally waive the rules and it would be fine. If if we were just doing role play, it would be fine. Um, but obviously you need the rules and the rolling and all, you know, the uh, the location, everything um, in order to make the story, I feel. But um, and nece- not even necessarily having like a really in-depth story, but like those players were so engaged with each other and like loved each other so much that that's why I was so invested in it also it was super ridiculous and like the characters are so silly um even the even the dm is like extremely loving and caring towards his players so but yeah i i agree well um as for dungeons daddies like i said i was initially there and the comedy part of it was fine and i'm not even when do I get hung up on rules? I'm trying to break them all the time. So it wasn't that. I think it just, it fell flat because it wasn't, there There was no real direction anymore. And I think I like at least a, something and not mm-hmm. um, slap. It, it was starting to feel like, um, I don't know, Saturday Night Live where it's just one skit after another that mm. don't mean anything I, I i i don't know that it doesn't mean i won't necessarily go back to it and maybe want to laugh eventually but yeah i i didn't i w- didn't really get into that one but the one your dad the unexpectables i actually tried to listen to that one i could not stand it 
<laughs> I hated that one so much. I like I think I made it five episodes in before I gave up. But yeah, I just I and it wasn't even necessarily the characters or the DM. I just I don't know what I did not like about that, but I I couldn't keep with it. So yeah. and we both found that one sep- like on our own and listened to it on our own and then found out we were listening to the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there was that. But but you do get hung up on rules. Don't pretend that you don't because you do get hung up on rules. I do get hung up on rules. I do because I'm a paladin. <laughs> I'm a lawful person. I like yeah, I do sometimes, but at the same time, I'm uh, if I can break a rule, I I will try. It's really weird when you're playing. You don't care about rules, but when you're listening to things, I feel like you do get hung up on rules. Oh no, you're no. If somebody else breaks a rule, she cares very much about a rule. Ah, uh... but if she's breaking a rule, then that rule shouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a hypocrite, in other words. <laughs> um, so, also, uh, Dad told me to listen to one by Critical Hit, um, and I forgot what system they were using. Um, it, it was... It, I don't remember the name of the system they were using, but it was a different system than D&D, and I found, while looking into other systems, like... Um, fate or uh what's the one i want to use called um monster of the week like they really want to use that one um and a couple of others focus more on the role play aspects and how you can and giving rules around role play instead of rules around fighting necessarily and fighting is connected to your role play and I found that a lot of those those ones tend to be closer towards a like they make a stronger story um, when it's a collaborative effort with the storytelling. And I found that what was interesting for me with the critical hit one was I, I wasn't necessarily like loving it or enjoying it or like, yeah, this is amazing. I was still interested enough to keep going for a few episodes, though, because they spent a lot of time focusing on the fact that with the system, they are creating this world together. It's not just the DM's world. The DM gets to take ideas from what the players come up with and add it to the world. Um, and I was... I was wondering what you guys thought of the difference between, say, the D&D system versus the other systems out there that are available. A lot of them done by um, the people who did Fate and Monster of the Week. Um, But a lot of them tend to be really similar on that spectrum of focusing more on role play and connecting everything to role play. Um, Well... <clears throat> the only time I did try to DM was those uh, one-shot type things mm-hmm. that I found. The guy who wrote up some stuff on the, and like posted it on the internet. Um, and they are role-play heavy. They're less rules heavy. And, um, and I actually really like the idea of that. <clears throat> Especially the cyberpunk one we never got to play. 
I really, I'm really interested in that one too. Yeah. Um, I would like to, uh, do that. Uh, but I like a lot of those other things out there. Like, um, the trash pandas one that critical role did what is my absolute favorite one hit of all time. I think that was running off of fate. I think they ran that one on fate system, the fate accelerated. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but it was mainly the Fast and Furious theme of it was just, it was off the charts great, and Matt's rat character was hilarious. Yeah, and the Fate Accelerated is more of a, I don't know, fly by your by the seat of your pants type of system. The Mystic Shadows one, which is the one that you're listening to uh, with the Critical Hit one, that one is also much less you know roll a d20 and this is what you're going to do type system it's it's much more interactive and uh getting favors from people and owing favors to people and having that play into the overall gameplay i think is is fun and i would like to i'd like to personally run something outside of D&D uh because i think it's D&D is fun, D&D I enjoy, but there's also some benefit to just having something that's so by the, by the seat of your pants that your players have to be engaged with the story, otherwise there is no story. Uh, the other one that was like that was the Undead Wood, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember what the Undead Wood what system they were using. It might have been another fate system. It might have, but it, it was the bartender that was interesting. It, you could go to the bartender and mix things up. I think uh, for that, that was, um, that was another interesting system. Um, I know there's a Cthulhu system that I've, heard, I've listened to people play. I haven't ever gone all the way through any of those. <laughs> Call of Cthulhu has a lot. Yeah, is is a lot of like role play rules, but it also is still pretty rules heavy. Um, but it is also easy to one shot a Call of Cthulhu thing if you want to. Like you can, you can, if if you know the Call of Cthulhu stuff, you can easily put together a one shot with Call of Cthulhu. Um, mm. <clears throat> there's also another one that my partner will not shut up about. Um, loves it to you know. Their heart's content. Um, and it's called Blades in the Dark. It's done by the same people who did Fate. Um, and it, like, the, it's a, it's not, it's not the system necessarily. Like, you can make your own version of Blades in the Dark, I think. But it is also a pre-made campaign at the same time. And the whole point of Blades in the Dark is that you are, like, a gang or some sort of, like, group of people that is trying to take over the city. Um, and there's a bunch of rules around that and there's a lot of role play rules. There's also a lot of like rolling rules. Um, but there's all like the role play rules are what is interesting to me. Like one of them is, um, if you're going into a situation where you, um, like you're, say you're raiding a drug house or whatever, um, then you can say you can do a flashback. And in that flashback, it can give you more risk um, for the current situation. But if you roll well and you do well on the flashback, you know, those things are set up for you and, you know, things are done. 
Um, but if we roll badly, it makes it harder for you. Um, but essentially, you can go into a situation, do a flashback, say you set up all these things, and then um, move forward with whatever you were planning to do. Um, because a lot of people... I don't know. I think the Blades in the Dark system is interesting. I would like to look more into it, but it's just because my partner talks about it all the time and really wants to run a campaign in Blades in the Dark. Um, but it's very open-worldy, loose-ended. So it's. I think it would be hard to translate to, say, a one-shot or um, making your own world with it because it already it is its own book with its own world. Well, out of curiosity, I'm the... I, I'm... I don't know if your dad's played Pathfinder or listened to Pathfinder. Other than uh, knowing the Pathfinder exists, I've never actually played or really know anything about it. Um, but I also don't necessarily care. I've heard that the um, fighting it is complicated is about the only criticism of Pathfinder. Um, I've played Path. I played Pathfinder for two years because Chris loves Pathfinder. And Pathfinder is like D&D on steroids when it comes to rules. Um, and it, you have to have somebody who's like a rules lawyer, which is Chris. He is a rules lawyer to run it. I could not run a Pathfinder campaign. It is... There are so many different things that you can do with combat and there's so many interesting things that you can do, which is a criticism, I think, of D&D is that there's combat's pretty basic, gear's pretty basic, and, you know, you can't really go beyond that that much um, unless your DM has some homebrew rules. Um, but with Pathfinder, um, there's rules about running, there's rules about you know, how you hit and all this other stuff. And it was, I don't even remember all the rules because I've blocked it all out because I had to relearn how to do D&D again. But um, yeah, if I had Chris on here, Chris could talk more about that. But yeah, Pathfinder is just a lot more rules. Um, it's fun and there's a lot more like skills and things that you can, you can get really specific on what you're trying to do. Is my knowledge of it. So you can get really, really specific, but you have to have somebody who knows what they're doing when it comes to Pathfinder to run it. Yeah, Pathfinder is a lot like D and D three point five. Um, it Pathfinder came out when D and D four point came out. It was soon after that that Pathfinder came out, and I think a lot of it was people hated D and D four and that's why you don't hardly ever hear anything about it because so many people hated it. And the backlash from D&D 4.0 being so bad uh, was Pathfinder came out. And Pathfinder was a lot like 3.5, D&D 3.5, because that's what people were wanting to go back to because D&D 4.0 was so bad. Yes, I have heard that. D&D 4.0 is so bad. I've actually listened to campaigns that started out on that system <laughs> and then switched to 5e. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, anything else, Nero? Mm, um, not off the Did top Nero of my head. Nero, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> uh. You can still hear me. 
Yes, we can hear you. We're just messing with you at this point. Okay. Well, um, did you guys have anything left to say about storytelling um, when it comes to home campaigns or anything like that? Uh, and when it comes to home campaigns, um, I don't mind the storytelling. Um, it's more fun if if everybody's kind of involved <laughs> in it, but it can also get out of control if everybody's involved in it. Um, I. Well, I would say as far as that goes, uh, if you are new to DMing, try to keep your first time doing a DM role simple don't try to overcomplicate it and it'll get easier as time goes along mm. and i would also say that if you're a player then don't be afraid to just go ahead and do something rather than wait for a dm to say, well, okay, let's go do this then because your players aren't willing to, you know, move forward with things. I didn't want to fight all the rot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, wait, no, that was me. Everybody else just rushed into the room and then we almost died. Yeah, because I'm like, they're all evil, bad rocks. <laughs> I'd been in this situation before. I'm not stupid, but my, the other players were stupid and ran in the room. Anyway. Um, well, in their defense, they weren't there for the mushroom people, so they didn't have any prior context, whereas your character did have prior context. Yeah, well, they're just stupid and don't listen to their leader. Um, I'm, I'm the de facto leader. I keep telling them I'm the leader because I'm the tallest. Okay. <laughs> wow. Well. My advice for new DMs is don't do what I did, which was make your own world and make your own campaign from scratch um, for the first thing that you do. Um, if, you're, if you're starting off, um, uh, I've heard some advice from other DMs starting off, and a lot of it is run some one-shots and in the system that you want to use so whatever that is if you're interested in pathfinder you can run pathfinder if you can if you want to run if you want to run you know uh something else run something else um run some one shots um with people who are interested in like playing future campaigns with you um and it may be a pre-campaign pre-made campaign and then when you're starting to feel comfortable like running stuff even if it's just like a couple one shots and you're like oh yeah i got this then that's fine you can go straight into making your own stuff i'm not you know there's no rules to doing this um but starting with something else smaller to get you in the groove of understanding it that's probably best like if you for me i'm planning on running a fate accelerated um mini mini one shot that i've written myself um because I saw a TikTok. So um, it's for me, I'm interested in running things like the fate system. So that's why I would want to run like a one shot to see if I can get into running Monster of the Week later. 
Um, but yeah, I'm trying to come at it with a bit more of a brain this time instead of running into a big campaign that I've written myself. Do I do? Oh, I, I want to share just because I've been planning this for a while. If I ever do DM, I'm totally making everybody uh, live in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon world. And we're going to run around on bamboo. And somebody has to uh, be a bard and play as a there. It's, it's my plan. Okay. <laughs> this is, this world's going to exist and y'all are going to have to gang, uh, are going to have to, you know, get into the sea dramas so you know what's going on. <laughs> this is why nobody will play this game with you. I'll find some people in China who will play with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's my thing. And for players, it's just about it's just about you know being yourself and um, being another person because it doesn't matter if you're if you're gonna play a character. If I'm suggesting characters for new players i'm like play a character that's a version of yourself and then you can add more character parts of that character to make more specific like i think hannah is really good at role playing because she always plays characters that have like one trait that she either desires to have or um it's like a part of her personality and she's able to basically take that over the top and i think that that's what makes her a good RP player. And then for Chris, basically he plays himself or the complete opposite of himself, which is just like um, the only way that I've seen him play thus far. Um, but yeah, so if you're a player, just take it easy. Don't don't think about it too much. Nobody's Hopefully you're playing with people that aren't judging you. And if you have a bad DM, that's like, you know, because I know people who have had bad DMs like this where they are like, no, you can't do that, even though I said you could do that earlier. Or, no, you can't do that because I don't want you to do that. Or you have bad players that are like, why would you do that? Who even are you? Then stop playing with them and go find some other people to play with because uh, they sound like they suck. Yeah. Oh, there's one thing I wanted to throw out there just to see what, you thought about this, Narelle, and even you. Um, I was talking to Brian uh, about DMing, and he's changed his combat system to where he doesn't do initiative roles anymore. Everybody decides what they're going to do, and everything plays out at exactly the same time. So... If you're an orc barbarian and you attack a tiefling enemy, you don't know whether or not if your damage is going to kill that person until the end of all combat being resolved all at the same time, both party and enemy. And I thought that might be a fun way to do it, but I don't know what you guys think. That sounds like monster of the week how they handle combat um like everything's supposed to kind of happen around the same time there's no real initiative um with their combat system but then again combat isn't the same because you're mostly playing like mundane characters like regular people yeah um i combat wise um 
since I took the alert feature and uh, my initiative likes to be high, I probably care about initiative. Um, that character. I don't know. Um, honestly, when it comes to, for me, when it comes to playing, um, and being a player, uh, I take a lot of drama classes. So, you know, I get really method in my act. No, I don't. I'm <laughs> kidding. But you can <laughs> if you really want to. I have, um, I think that was, that's one of my favorite things from when your dad and I used to play Asheron's Call in World of Warcraft was there was in Asheron's Call, there was this one guy who was on a server that was, it wasn't um, role play server, but he would only speak role play. And I love to run into him because, and he actually liked me because I would role play back. Uh, Is that monkey great? I can't remember his name, but he was, there, there was one in WoW too. I run into one in WoW as well in World of Warcraft, but it was my favorite thing would he would like come along and I would be like dying and he'd save me. And he's like, I'm glad I could help you miss. And I would be like, why? Thank you. Kind sir. Mm. Uh, do you want some, you know, and it was ridiculous and silly, but it actually made the game fun and made me actually want to try a role playing server. Yeah. I think that was monkey boy, the great, which in that server at that time, he was probably one of the most hated players on that server because he did just role play everything. I loved him. He was great. I'm glad you <laughs> answered dad's question, mom. Anyway, back to dad's question. She refuses to answer the question and I'm fine with, with her keeping her initiative and us continuing in that game running initiative i'm just thinking maybe in the future if i run a different campaign i might try combat that way because after talking to brian it seemed to be kind of a fun way to do it to where everything resolves at the same time i think i think for me the only thing that would throw me off is if say you have two characters Say say your your PC and your bad guy both have one hit point and they both hit each other at the exact same time. Do they just both die? Or does one yeah. hit the other person first and then the other person dies? So I would that that's the only thing that I would be concerned about. And if there's rules centered around that, like say somebody has a higher dexterity, um, and that higher dexterity means that they get to act first then that's fine. Or if the rule is you both hit each other at the exact same time, uh, you know, like slapstick style, then sure, that's fine. <laughs> but well, I think I, I think it would disappoint me a little bit um, to be like, well, but I'm faster. Like I made a fast character. <laughs> well, I was going to say uh, uh, this actually happened in my C drama where it was a only one person can leave here alive and a guy came up and stabbed the guy and then the other guy hit him so hard they both died and then nobody got to live and go back and tell everybody what had happened <laughs> which was the whole point of the thing of the exercise so um i actually find that if two people died at the same time that would be more interesting especially for the dm 
Uh-oh, Narelle fell asleep again. No. <laughs> but, I mean, I would be interested to play it. I, I, I want to add more, like, rules to my, like, homebrew rules to my future campaigns. Having reasons to be flanking. Stuff like that. Like, what are you doing that is causing flanking? And are you flanking... When you're flanking, what are you doing? And you have to use like a bonus action or a reaction to be doing something to help distract the other, the the character you're trying to flank so that that person gets that advantage bonus instead of just you're on the other side, now you're flanking, now you're, now you both get advantage. Um, and the way your mother would do that would be, I moon the character. <laughs> then... Drop your weapons. <laughs> or I pants the character. <laughs> I'm flanking. You pants the character. I didn't hear dad because he's away from the mic. I said more likely she would pants the character than moon the character because she wouldn't want to put herself at a disadvantage. Yeah. This is probably true. But yeah, just adding some more homebrew rules to combat. Um, I think would be interesting. Um, also, people are hoping with the next edition, if there is going to be another edition of D&D, that there is more um, specific rules around um, different weapons and how those work. Because right now, the damage and how it's dealt, um, so where you hit, how you hit, all that other stuff, um, mace versus sword does different kinds of damage and stuff like that. People are hoping that D&D 6 or 5.5 or whatever they're going to do, maybe, adds a little bit more rules to combat to make it easier to roleplay around that section. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of homebrew rules around that and you can look those up. Oh, okay. I'm tired. Okay. You're and tired. Sick. You're sick. I I don't have a lot more to say um about this, but um you're not Matthew Mercer. You're not Brennan. There's there's plenty of good ways to be a DM without being, you know, a like a voice actor or, you know, a person with you know, the ability to be the best DM ever. You you are your DM and you're the DM for your players and I'm sure they appreciate you as long as you're not being a total jerk. So that's where I leave it off. I appreciate you both. Sort of. No, you don't. You guys are mean to me. <laughs> I will kill you soon. Don't worry. Seriously, in our in our little a message chat it's all um ways to kill sassafras seriously it, that's it how are we going to kill sassafras this week well it's that and whether or not our uh whether or not miner's actually going to show up or if he's going to come up with some other lame excuse as to why he couldn't make it uh he slept in that that was one excuse yeah so no, I enjoy playing with you both. You're fine DMs. I no no judging. 
And that's the end of our podcast. Thank you, Dad, for joining our podcast. You're welcome. I hope you You're welcome. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to our impromptu me sort of interrogate my parents on D&D podcast if you want uh, to listen to more of these kinds of things about D&D we can talk more about that we can pull my dad in we can pull my other friend in we can pull my partner in whatever Um, just let us know at Eagle Eclectic um, the Eclectic Eagle podcast at gmail.com for email and at Ego Eclectic for other social medias. Anything left, Mom? Your dad's not cuddling anymore. He's so over it. (laughs) (laughs) Rate us on iTunes if you think my dad should cuddle my mom. (laughs) Okay, I'm done. (laughs) Bye. Bye.